The other important thing before having a baby is welcoming those types of conversations together. What kind of roles do you hope to take on? Right. If you're going to be the parent staying home, what does that look like? What kind of roles did you see your parents take or your caregivers take growing up? And how do you want to be the same or how do you want to be different? You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I was joined by psychologist and couples therapist, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, to talk about preparing your relationship for a baby before they're here. I often see a lot of conversations about navigating and even repairing your relationship after a baby joins the family, but I thought that Dr. Tracy would be the perfect person to talk to about what you can do ahead of time to prepare for a smoother transition. Inside of the episode, you'll learn actionable tips and systems you can put into place now, hear about common pitfalls and obstacles that couples often have so that you can prepare for them and so much more. Let's dive right in. So tell me, are you one of an estimated 80% of pregnant women that's hoping to give birth without an epidural? I hate to break it to you, but simply wanting it might not be enough. After the unmedicated birth of my first son, Walter, I knew I had to create an affordable online birth class designed just for moms that wanted to do the same. And that's how Birth It Up, the natural series was born. Learn more about how to make your dream of a natural hospital birth a reality at mommylabornurse.com slash natural birth. You can totally do this and we can help. Hi, Tracy. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Me too. All right. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Anything you want to share? Hobbies, kids, family, what you ate for lunch, anything <laughs> at all? <laughs> All of that in between. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I usually start with my professional identity and then end with my personal piece. And not because either one is more important, but I'm a couples therapist and psychologist. I live in Ottawa, Ontario. We are just seeing the winter leave, which is fantastic. And I help individuals and couples navigate the relationship challenges that we all experience in life. And I think that is one of the most important things to emphasize is that so many people think their relationships are going to be easy and we don't talk enough about just how hard they are or the seasons that we go through. And so I do that through offering individual and couples therapy, wellness seminars. I go into corporate offices and give sessions and also my work outside the office where you and I have connected, yeah. which is on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. I love it. Well, tell me about your family too. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, within that, I actually own my business with my husband. So oh, cool. 
when I had returned from my second maternity leave, he said, I think we should open up your own practice. I said, absolutely not. I'm just getting back to work. No way. And here we are a few years later in integrated wellness. He's my partner here in the practice. He's not a psychologist. And then we also have two kids together and they are, you know, I used to say to myself that getting a PhD, I thought would be the hardest thing. And actually having children has been the hardest thing. Okay. Well, hey, you heard it here. She's got a PhD and she's got two kids. So we've got to believe her. (laughs) That is too funny. Motherhood, parenthood is hard. It is. It is. It's hard. It is definitely hard. Well, today, obviously, guys, we are going to be talking about relationships and your relationship with your partner, your relationship with yourself, like just all that good stuff after having a baby, because you're right, it changes and there are unexpected things that happen and there's just like so much to dive into. So, okay, can we start with like how to, like when baby first comes home, when baby first arrives, what can we do beforehand to kind of set the tone and make sure that baby's coming home What kind of conversations can we have with each other? Any tips there? Maybe like four or five kind of Mm -hmm. tips to know. Yeah, absolutely. And just to emphasize, Liesl, that, you know, we think of showing up to race day, right? And you do this with all of your courses that you offer is that you are preparing people to get there. And just like that, how we prepare for labor, we need to prepare our relationships. So what are some of those things that you can do? I see that people experience a negative cycle in their relationship. We know that there are three common ones that happen and that cycle usually exists in some form before we have a child. And then that cycle starts to get escalated or more emphasized once a child joins, because of course we know that marital satisfaction, relationship satisfaction goes down once you have a child. So super normal to experience that decrease in satisfaction for the first three years of your child's life. And one of the top things that you can learn to do before having a baby is to see what is this negative communication pattern that we get stuck in that stops us from actually being able to hear each other and move forward? I have a free quiz on my website that people can go and try that out to see which one that is. So that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is practicing some rituals. What are the things that connect you and bring you close together? And I really like to talk about these small things frequently because when it comes to postpartum, you're not really going out for those long dinner dates anymore. You're not staying up late, right? It just changes your relationship dynamic. But what we want to make sure that we're doing is that we're continuing to find some kind of intersection with our partners. And we can do that by finding those small rituals. So the rituals like, do you kiss each other good morning? Does one partner pour each other their cup of coffee? Do you greet each other at the door? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of small things frequently, or even just having 10 minutes to sit on the couch. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like just kind of being more self-aware of what we already do right now that are little things. And then afterwards, like how, and I'm assuming afterwards, like trying to keep those little rituals that feel easy. Yeah. Easy and familiar because you're already doing them. And hopefully you're already having that conversation around it, which is the other important thing before having a baby is welcoming those types of conversations together. What kind of roles do you hope to take on? right? If you're going to be the parent staying home, what does that look like? What kind of roles did you see your parents take or your caregivers take growing up? And how do you want to be the same or how do you want to be different? And then that last conversation that I would highly recommend people have is how can I support you? 
What does it look like when you're struggling? Is it that I'm seeing you shut down more? Maybe you're not texting your friends. Maybe, I mean, more tearfulness can be expected in those first two weeks afterwards. But at what point should we be talking about how I can support you differently? And not just for the birthing partner, but also for the non-birthing partner, because they too can experience mood changes, changes in their anxiety. So we really want to know what would it look like if you're struggling and how can I support you? Yeah, no, I love that. Well, let's talk about some of the common problems that come up after a baby is born, just pitfalls that happen. I know I was definitely, we definitely struggled with this after both of our children in that we compared like who had more work, right? Or who was more tired? And We've just now, not just now, but like, you know, in the past few years, like learned that, okay, instead of us being, you know, butting heads against each other, we need to team up and butt heads against the conflict. Because that feels like that resonates with so many people that you're like, why are you complaining about being tired? I was the one up all night with the baby. You're like, why are you complaining about doing the house, you know, cleaning this? I'm doing this. Like, Let's just breathe and let's talk through that. (laughs) There was nothing worse than my partner waking up, my husband waking up and saying, oh, we slept through the night. That was a great sleep. And I'm thinking, oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Right. And so what you're talking about there, Lisa, is this experience that people get stuck in, which is not validating each other. Yeah. That it's like, I'm trying to find who is right or wrong. And that happens in relationships across the lifespan. And what we're really trying to find in the postpartum space, particularly, is being able to say, oh, I see your reality. And it's a hard reality. Okay, I'm going to spend time hanging out in your reality and how hard that is. And then switching over and then making sure I'm sharing my feelings and needs. And one of the biggest pitfalls that I see come up is that women particularly stop sharing how they're doing. They stop sharing what they're feeling. They stop sharing what they're needing. They have tapped into the ultimate caregiver role where they're tucking away all of their stuff and they just keep going. They make all the meals. They do all the household stuff it's exhausting. And then you layer on doing that over and over and over again, every single day. And most people come into my community, into my office and say, I resent my partner because now I am carrying the mental load. Now I'm, and oftentimes the other piece, and I'm curious if you hear this from your parents as well, that paternal gatekeeping. I was just going to say that as soon as you started talking about that, I was like, I got to talk, I got to ask her about maternal gatekeeping because that, when I first learned about that term, I was like, oh my gosh, that has a name. (laughs) Yes, right, right. So if we think of, okay, so your partner has, if they're working out of the house, they come home and they don't spend all day with baby. So it means that they haven't changed the diapers as many times as you have. And you say, okay, here, take baby. Your partner goes, baby's upset and crying and your partner's trying to change the diaper. And you're like, no, here, just let me do it, right? Or you give bedtime duties to them or bath time or whatever it is. Maternal gatekeeping is the belief that the way you do something is superior or better than your partner's. And it sets you up for failure because you then don't let your partner learn. I call it up learning to where you are. They don't get to up learn where you are and all the things you already know how to do. Their relationship with baby is impacted. And then there's more tension and friction between the two of them. And, you know, it's funny. I can remember 
a really big lesson for my partner. So my daughter was older at this point, but I had always been the one to buy the diapers. We never ran out of diapers. I always grabbed them for our two kids. And so with my youngest, she didn't have a pull-up for that night. And my daughter's expression was like, oh, daddy, how could you? And it was a learning moment for my husband that if you don't do something, there's a consequence, right? Or he didn't have enough food in the diaper bag because I didn't take over packing all of the things in the diaper bag. He learned that being at the doctor's office, oh my goodness, he needed more food and entertainment for our daughter. So if we get into maternal gatekeeping, we never let our partners struggle and fail in the way that we have in some way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. So what if you get into that point where you're like, Tracy, you're saying all the all the things that I'm feeling. Like, how do you even start to repair that relationship? I think one of the most important things we need to do is when I'm looking at relationships, there's always two parts I'm working with. One is the self, so individual. Yeah. And then the other thing is the dynamic, what's happening between two people. So if you're listening, being able to ask yourself, what do I do that's contributing to some of these feelings? How am I showing up here? Am I maybe critical to my partner? Do I put them down or I don't kind of welcome in their opinions? Just recognizing what it is that you do. I think that's a really good place to start. But then also too, if you want to start addressing the mental load, being able to make some of those implicit things explicit. Our partners, unfortunately, do do if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship that sometimes our partners don't know all the things that we do and we do need to uplearn them and help them to see. So, you know, for example, if you're the one to always buy deodorant, but your partner didn't know that, then let them know what are these implicit things that you're doing? And then how can you start offloading some of these things, asking your partner what feels good for you, what doesn't. And it's not, Eve Rosky talks about this in her book, Fair Play. It's a great book. Highly recommend the card system for people. And she has joked that it's like the shit I do list. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think we all have one, Mm -hmm. but we have to onboard our partners and be able to reshift all the things that we're doing, not just in the house. So we know that women tend to la- take on the labor of the household, the childbearing, the emotional labor and the relationship labor. So it is about not trying to find equal, but what feels fair for each yeah. partner. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously once we start doing that, we build more as a team, right? So I want to ask you too, like, how can we have that mindset before, like that team mindset before Mm. baby even comes? Yeah. I think that is really about viewing you as a we and a united front. You're both in this together and just really practicing viewing your partner with compassion and permission that you're both learning to do this. And instead of jumping into criticism or defensiveness, you know, criticism sounds like you never help out or you're always on your phone. I have to do everything with baby. Instead of jumping into that, learning how we can start to share our feelings things, which is I'm overwhelmed and then sharing what the need is. And we often share needs negative, which means 
you know, I don't want you to do the dishes tonight, but that doesn't leave your partner not knowing what to do. So we need to share them in a positive way, or we share, or we're not really clear at all what it is that we need. And so getting really clear and specific. So if you say something like I'm overwhelmed and I need help, if I were a fly on the wall, I don't know what that looks like. And likely your partner doesn't know what it means to help you. So being able to clearly say, you know, tonight I need something. Can you do bath time? And maybe when you're renegotiating that, can you take over bath time, right? So again, practicing that, what are my feelings? What are my needs? All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right, I'm looking at a picture of a baby right now, and he's just, oh, is it a he or it's a he? I thought it was a he. Sometimes you can tell if they're boys or girls, even when they're newborns. It's, I mean, I know probably not everybody can, but I don't know. Sometimes when when someone, and it's not just because they have a bow on their head or, you know, boy clothes, like you can just tell by their face if they're a little boy or a little girl. I don't know. So she had a little boy and I'm looking at a picture of her and her little baby's just sitting right on her chest. So this Birth It Up Baby says, hi, Liesl, here is our birth story. I took the natural series and I had a natural delivery on February 9th, a couple months ago. And she said, even though this was my second delivery, I wanted to be as informed as possible. I am so glad I took the natural series. Baby boy came so quickly that there was no time for an epidural, even if I wanted one. Thanks to the Birth It Up course, I knew what was happening all the way through and was well prepared. Thank you. Oh, so sweet. Love it. All right. If you want to check out the course that this mama took, she took Birth It Up in the Natural Series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the Natural Series. All right. Let's get right back into this week's episode. I want to share something that I think really it relates very well. So I have been going to therapy like for years and I've been working right now. I'm specifically working on bringing up conflict and how hard that is, not only just to like my husband, but just in general. I'm just, I don't like confrontation. I'm just that kind of person, you know, so it just feels very, very anxiety broken. Like I just get really anxious when I think about having any sort of like uncomfortable conversation. And so what my therapist, she gave me some, you know, journal prompts to do, like, where did you learn about conflict first? Like how Mm -hmm. did your parents handle conflict? Those sorts of things. One of the things that she shared was see if you can, you can do this with Brian. You can do this with, you know, people at work, do some mock, like bringing up conflict situations. Like for example, I had this issue bringing up where my son, he's going to kindergarten this year, where he was like going to go to kindergarten. I don't know why that felt hard to me, but like it felt hard whether he's going to go to public school or we're going to, you know, do a charter school. We're going to do like a private school or whatever. And I just was like anxious about having that conversation with my husband. Another Almost example. like you were frozen, eh? Like I, yeah, I'm watching yes. you, you're like, I'm frozen. I yes, can't bring exactly. this up. Mm-hmm. Or like going out, I have this weird maternal guilt of like going out with my friends. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know? Oh yeah. So like a one way that you can do it is almost like an immersion exposure therapy kind of thing. And just sit with your partner and practice saying, Hey, I really want to go out with Jenna tonight. And you know, I think we're going to go here. Cool with you. Like just bring it. 
You see, I'm even like uncomfortable saying it because I haven't (laughs) done it very much of like, it doesn't feel good to me. But when she said that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. You just get more familiar and you practice. Yeah. So I think that's a great thing to do beforehand, just get more comfortable, whether it's practicing, you know, those conflict conversations or practicing other things, but just like, oh my gosh, we preach good communication skills all day long, but sometimes people don't even know what that means, you know? Absolutely. And one of the first things I give to the couples I work with in my office is I give them the emotion wheel. And I say at dinner time, one time a week, that's all I'm asking. One time a week, I want you to get out this wheel and I want you to each find an emotion. And if you feel frustrated, I want you to challenge yourself to look at some of the other emotions and to see what else is there. And the job is you share the emotion and connect it to whatever it is that's happened. Your partner's job is just to hear the emotion and to say, oh, I see that you felt that way. Mm -hmm. And I like to use the example of like, imagine you trying to paint the scenario, ask your partner's questions. Mm -hmm. Where were you? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What else did you want to do? What urges did you have? Who were you with? How did you, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. so that we can then practice opening up that dialogue connected to an emotion because many of us, and I know this is changing in the parenting dialogue today, is that many of us experienced not having our emotions seen and validated. They were dismissed. They were made to be small. You don't share those kind of feelings. And so a lot of people experience shame without being able to share things and they don't do it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, once you start to analyze, you know, I love my parents, right? Like they're great. But once you start to analyze like where some of these feelings and some of the reasons why I do some sort of these things, you're like, oh, wait a second. My mom did do this and she held a lot of resentment towards this subject and like, oh, wow, maybe that's why I do that. So really a great thing to do is just really sit with yourself and, or journal. Like I like to just yeah. sit down and write yeah. and journal and become more self-aware. I think that speaks to the doing the internal work and yes. how oftentimes people will focus so much on the other person changing. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> right? And, <laughs> hear and that we, all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> all the time. And we need to be willing, which is harder because it's much, you, you know, that's, that's what shame does. Shame wants to point the finger and blame someone else and say, if you did this, if you were different, then I wouldn't have to feel this uncomfortable, messy stuff. Instead of going inwards and say, wow, whew, this is one of those times where I don't feel good enough. And that perfect part of me comes out and I hear my baby crying and it doesn't feel good for me. And so then I just take over and say, you can't do anything right. Right. So I think what we're talking about here is even acknowledging what are the things that trigger you into uncomfortable feelings, whether it's anxiety, anger, sadness, Conflict. right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, of course. Right. Yeah. There, there's something else in this conversation that keeps popping up. I think we should uh, label in sure. terms of this postpartum period boundaries with family. Oh, yeah. Le- okay. Let's go into that subject because this is something that I also still am working on, but I've been able to establish much more clear boundaries since I've been mm-hmm. a parent. And That is very common that maybe you've had issues with boundaries in the past, but now you're a parent and you really have to, sometimes you have to, you know, and it feels really uncomfortable. 
Yeah. And to really normalize that, I can relate to that as well, that becoming a parent, especially when my second came along, suddenly I was so aware of all of my boundaries and what needed to change and where my yes and no's were. And it can be really hard and uncomfortable. And, you know, just as I'm talking out loud with you, part of it is about having the conversations beforehand and the other piece is not knowing what they are until after. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that yeah. makes a lot so of sense. So then just being able to kind of practice that and voice them out loud instead of, and this is what we do in our relationships though, we have expectations. We make assumptions about how our partner will act or what the meaning is behind something they do. And so we expect maybe, for example, our partners to stand up for us, but then, you know, their mom comes in and whatever dynamic they have, and then that comes out and it's messy. Yeah. It is. It is. No, setting boundaries is very, it can get very messy and it can hurt feelings. And then that leads down to, you know, a lot of other feelings. Yeah. So that conversation beforehand is, you know, how involved do we want your parents to be? What does it look like when X happens? What do I need? How can we be a team together with our family? And that is such an important thing. I think sometimes if I'm speaking stereotypically just from also my clinical experience, what I'm seeing in heterosexual relationships is that women learn their boundaries with their parents much earlier on and that they tend to have that already when they get married. But I often see the struggle for men is that it's usually after their first child that then they start to bump up against their parents with boundary issues. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, any final advice or resources, thoughts for anyone listening who maybe is like, oh my gosh, this really resonates with me right now. What do I, where do I even start? Or like, what do I even do? Yeah. I mean, come join me on Instagram. That's my main space. Say hello to me in my DMs. I'm there to be social. Let me know that you listened to the episode. And there I have all kinds of tips and skills on how to improve your relationship. But I think the other thing I want to emphasize is just acknowledging that you're not alone in this really hard season and that this is a season in your relationship that so many of us struggle through this and that there are things and actions that you can do to make things change and to not wait. So many women, especially if your partner is not willing to get help, go on your own. And it doesn't necessarily have to be going to therapy. It can be picking up a self-help book. It can be, I have an online program where women come in and learn how to improve their relationship and learn the skills and tools that they need. You can do something like that on your own, or if it's possible to go to therapy and to have that external person support you. I love it. Well, where can our listeners find you on Instagram? Yes, it's Dr. Tracy D, T-R-A-C-Y. Love it, love it. Awesome. We'll leave those links, everything in the show notes for people to check out if they want to follow you and follow along. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Liesl, for having me here. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast 
for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.